it's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. I'm Julia Jim. A new bill that would deliver a $25 minimum wage to tens of thousands of California's lowest paid healthcare workers is making its way through legislature. The California Report has the details. Nevada County works in partnership with Connecting Points 211, a free information hotline to direct residents to important resources. After a look at local weather, we hear from Ulysses Palencia, the service's contact center manager, to learn more about the service. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez at NPR West in Culver City. The California State University System's Board of Trustees unanimously voted yesterday to hike tuition at its 23 campuses. Annual tuition at Cal State is set to increase by 6% starting next fall for each of the next five years. That means that in-state full-time undergraduates will pay $7,700 by 2028 compared to $5,700 today. Trustee in San Francisco State graduate Jose Antonio Vargas supported the measure, but reluctantly. It's been said that the CSU is a dream engine, and this is kind of a nightmare scenario, right, when it comes to having to raise tuition. And the fact is, if we don't do this, there is no alternative path that we can pursue. University officials say the $840 million raised will help address a massive funding gap and avoid layoffs. They also say many students won't be affected by the tuition hikes because of scholarships and financial aid. In Sacramento today, it's the final day of the legislative session, and that means the fate of dozens of bills must be decided as the hours and minutes tick down. KQED politics correspondent Guy Marzarotti has more. The Assembly and Senate have until midnight to send bills to the desk of Governor Gavin Newsom. On Wednesday, the Democrat-controlled legislature took a somewhat uncharacteristic turn, passing a pair of bills enacting tougher criminal penalties. One bill would allow for longer prison sentences for possessing large amounts of fentanyl. Another bill targets child sex trafficking, adding it to the list of crimes that can result in longer prison terms under the state's three strikes law. Newsom has until October 14th to sign or veto bills. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. An update to a story we told you about yesterday. Governor Newsom has signed a bill that would repeal California's travel ban to states with anti-LGBTQ laws. The seven-year-old travel ban prohibited state money from being used to pay for travel to 26 states altogether. But even its biggest supporters have acknowledged that it wasn't having the effect it was intended to, with so many new anti-LGBTQ bills introduced across the country this year. On this final day of the legislative session, which we just told you about, a lot of eyes in Sacramento are on one particular measure moving through the state Senate. It would allow workers who are on strike for more than two weeks, like the Hollywood writers and actors, to apply for unemployment insurance. KQED's labor correspondent, Farida Javala Romero, reports. SB 799 is controversial, but California wouldn't be the first. New Jersey and New York already allow striking workers to apply for unemployment. 
Supporters of the bill say it would help workers afford staying off the job longer to push for better conditions against wealthy corporations. Ada Briseño is co-president of Unite Here Local 11, which has been conducting rolling strikes by thousands of low-wage workers against L.A.-area hotels since July. The employer banks on the fact that the workers are not making their salary or their livelihood, and they want to wait them out until they get desperate and have to go back to work. And so having this unemployment will be heaven sent. This comes as several Democratic lawmakers are concerned about the solvency of California's unemployment insurance program after the state lost billions of dollars in fraudulent claims during the pandemic. Employers are the ones who finance those benefits. A long list of business groups that oppose SB 799 worry they're already paying more to keep the unemployment insurance fund afloat. And Southern California Republican Assemblyman Bill Asaley is also concerned about giving workers and unions an unfair advantage in labor negotiations. While every worker certainly has a right to strike, you don't have a right to have the taxpayers subsidize your strike. Stanford law professor Bill Gould, a former National Labor Relations Board chairman, says the measure could make employers more inclined to compromise with unions. Just one more tool that the union has in its toolkit of pressure that it can bring against the employer, that the employer might say, I'm going to be faced with a a very long strike. I can't afford that. I don't want it. And it might just change the bargaining power relationship between the parties. Still, he says it's unclear how many Californians would actually qualify for unemployment insurance payments while on strike, in part because most applicants must show they're looking for work. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. And we have more legislative news. A $25 minimum wage is in sight for tens of thousands of California's lowest paid health workers. CalMatters health reporter Ana Ibarra has more on a bill making its way through the legislature this week. If this bill from L.A. Senator Maria Elena Durazo is signed into law, the $25 minimum wage for health workers would be phased in across the state. The wage hike would be for people like nursing assistants, medical techs, and janitorial workers. As proposed, the wage increase would reach some employees much sooner than others, depending on the type of facility they work in. Workers at traditionally better resource facilities like dialysis clinics and large health systems could get the $25 rate as soon as 2026. Meanwhile, other workers, including those at rural hospitals, wouldn't reach this pay level for another 10 years. Employers get something, too. If the bill passes, unions can't put forward local measures forcing pay hikes for health workers for at least 10 years. That's CalMatters' Ana Ibarra. The bill has to be approved by the legislature this week to advance to the governor's desk. One bill that won't make it to the governor's desk is a measure that would have restricted the use of solitary confinement in prisons, jails, and immigration detention centers. The bill from Pasadena Assemblyman Chris Holden faced opposition from sheriffs and prison officials. A similar measure from Holden was vetoed by Governor Newsom last year, who said the issue is ripe for reform, but he had concerns about the proposal from a safety perspective for prison staff and the incarcerated population. The legislation may be considered again next year. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. 
the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery. On the web at schmidtocean.org. And that is the California Report for Thursday, September 14th. We're a production of KQD Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez at NPR West in Culver City. Thanks so much. Let's take a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, Tonight, clear with a low around 60. Friday, sunny with a high near 86. Friday night, clear with a low around 61. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear with a low around 44. Friday, sunny with a high near 77. Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 46. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, clear with a low around 59. Friday, sunny with a high near 91. And Friday night, mostly clear with a low around 60. There are currently no red flag warnings or fire weather watches, and you're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. If you live in Nevada County, you've probably heard of 211, but how much do you really know about it? What exactly is 2-on-1? How does it operate, and who does it stand to benefit? Up next, we hear from 2-on-1's contact center manager, Ulysses Palencia. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza spoke with him to learn more about his role within the organization, as well as the hotline's role in the greater sphere of our community. Yeah, so my name is Ulysses Palencia. Um, I work at 2-on-1, and I manage the 2-on-1 call center. What is 2-on-1? Your words. 211 is an information and referral line, and, and it's really tied around like the social services world. So anything to do with, um, you know, it could be food insecurity, housing, things of that nature, but it can definitely expand into uh, specifics depending on any programs that we may be involved in. So that's where the, you know, the referrals portion of it can can tie into it. So for example, a lot of what we see is like rental assistance people just struggling. It's rough out there. Um, so looking for rental assistance, what that sounds like to me can be like some some financial struggles, right? So you can call about rental assistance and our job is to address the, the stated need is what we would refer to it as, right? So rental assistance, are there any programs set up within the county or even the state that this caller would meet the eligibility criteria for? If there is a program, we would let the person know about it. In the past, we participated in programs like the Housing is Key program, um, which was set up for for rental assistance that was back due due to the pandemic. We were a partner organization where we would fill out the application for the person, essentially kind of case management um, with them. Once we address the stated need, when we're doing this correctly, then we're also going to offer information on other topics that may be tied not just to rental assistance, but to financial needs. So how about utilities? How are you doing with food? You know, like if all of your money is going towards trying to pay the rent, how are you taking care of everything else? So really trying to address those unstated needs as much as possible whenever we're allowed to so that a person could have everything they need to to really try to, you know, get back on track um, or at least know where they can access uh, the stuff that they need in order to to be good. Tell me what 2 on one is not. 
So we, we don't recommend anything, right? So we don't say like, hey, this service is better here than there. You know, our role is to inform you of the services and then you as a as a client can make an informed decision about what's best for your household. Um, we, um, we're not, how do I say this? We're not crisis workers, right? So there are times that we do get callers that are in a crisis, you know, mental health crisis, um, their suicidal ideations, et cetera. We, we aren't crisis workers. You know, we will do our best to provide you the information and even connect you to the correct crisis lines, you know, like to start local. So the CSU, are you currently in a state where you need to, to access a safe space? Is it a 988 call where you just need to talk to someone about the suicide um, ideations that you're having? But there are times when in those situations, the person on the other end, they want to they've already established the rapport with the person, the first person that answered the phone, and it happens to be us, you know, so we are put in a situation where the person does not want to be transferred. So we're not going to do it against their will. But we're doing our best to navigate that type of situation to at least calm the person down or get them to a a little bit more of a calm state where we can discuss the options where they're going to get that professional assistance, right? Do you need a therapist? Do you need a psychiatrist? You know, that's not us. But if we need to take 30 minutes on this call for you to get it out, we can listen, you know, and then once we get to that level, our job is to make sure we we get you to the professionals. The most recent fire that we had, one of the things that the county was big on on mentioning was that people at 211 could help citizens who maybe weren't computer savvy 211 was there able to help them sign up for things like code red mm-hmm. is that something that 211 has has done a lot of lately yeah so we do that all day you know every day so blue skies disaster or not um we sign folks up for for code red um we'll let them know which zone they're in just so they're prepared so that is something that that we do there's 16,000 latino people here in nevada county mm-hmm. is 211 seeing any of those people reaching out if folks do reach out one of our our, our values is to be a connecting point for all right um personally speaking i am latino you know i speak spanish so for me the hope is to increase the awareness within the community so that folks feel comfortable enough to reach out and knowing that we are not you know we're not going to ask any question that isn't relevant for eligibility in anything that they're looking for and it's not to report it out um you know i think we are working on increasing awareness cuz they need the same information and assistance that's available to everyone else. So one of the things that we've done to try to not just like check multiple boxes. So we're talking about emergency preparedness. So we have a loteria for emergency preparedness specifically to try to educate the community in a not so intimidating fashion. So how do we start the conversations about, you know, where do you get your information? Do you have a go bag ready? So all of that is to emergency notifications, right? That's one of the playing cards. So really try to increase um, targeted outreach, right? We just created some some stickers where our our logo is, you know, the the background instead of using our regular colors are patterns from the culture, like from Central America, from Mexico, right? So try to 
indirectly let folks know. So it sounds like if somebody in that community called, mm -hmm. there's a pretty big probability that someone will be able to talk to them in their own language. Yeah, so we have four fully bilingual call agents plus myself. And then, you know, we also have a language line, um, not just for Spanish, but for any other language um, for anybody that calls in so we can serve them in their language. What do you want people to know about 211? I would tell folks that, you know, we are, we're here to, to serve and help a person connect with whichever services they, they feel they're in need of. We treat each call with the understanding that even if I've had 50 calls today, this is the most important call for you. Knowing that and keeping that in mind that we're going to approach each situation like it's our first call. And at the end of the day, we're, we're all, you know, neighbors, local residents of the area as well. So, you know, there's a lot of those things that we understand when it comes to, hey, you know, my power's up. I haven't showered in three, four days. You know, a lot of those times our call agents are going right through it as well. And they're putting all that to the side within their shift to be able to get the information. So we're here with you. We're part of the community. And our intention is absolutely to help each individual achieve what they're looking for. I've been speaking with Ulysses Palencia. He's the 211 call center manager. Ulysses, thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and providing a little insight into 211. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, observations from a working poet. What I learned in the cardiac unit, a random list. The cotton gowns now have snaps across both shoulders, so you can unclothe yourself merely by rolling over in bed. Don't worry if your window looks out on a barren roof. This isn't a condo purchase. There's no coffee in the cardiac unit. You're asked your birth date as an identifier, and if you feel well enough, it's fun to inquire the birth date of whoever's asking. They usually laugh and say day and month, but not year. Scrubs are color-coded according to jobs, with the people who draw your blood dressed prophetically in red. Learn to spell phlebotomist. On me, puncture bruises last five days. On me, blood can only be drawn out of the hands. It's easier to be relaxed when you're on Medicare. It's easier to be friendly when you aren't in pain. Friendliness will make your stay go much more smoothly and cheer people up. This is worth practicing at home, so you can turn it on under duress. To maintain your sense of adulthood and relevance, if it is raining, tell the ambulance drivers the etymology of petrichor. They will be amazed. Try not to worry about your weight when people carry you around. They've seen everything. To maintain your sense of adulthood and modesty, wear two gowns, one back opening so the heart monitor in your pocket faces front, and one front opening so your lovely middle-aged bottom is less visible. It's possible to fast for seven hours, subsisting on ice chips. It's possible to get good results from tests but still worry. You may never know why it happened, whatever it is. If you're there alone, write down your questions for doctors because you won't remember anything due to the thrill and relief of the doctor finally showing up. Remember that patience is both a virtue and a coping strategy. Remember to bring your phone charger. 
Keep your door partly open if you're lonely. Close it when the rowdiness out there gets to be too much. Hospital food has gotten more nutritious, though lime jello does appear now and then. They've also figured out how to keep meals very hot for hours. The names of things, e.g. chicken marsala, will make you laugh. Staff has gotten both older and younger. One nurse was black with gray dreadlocks down to his waist. Many people looked about 12. The nuclear medicine scrubs are aqua, like the clear waters around Bikini Atoll. Note that a certain confidence is provided to us by wearing undergarments, and this erodes over time. You can feel healthy for days, but succumb to the mere idea of being sick. Practice saying no problem and offering your hand to a phlebotomist at three in the morning. Don't lie when they ask if you're claustrophobic. Don't lie when they ask if you're in pain. You will fall in love with staff members because receiving help is an aphrodisiac. Remember, this is their job. In their minds, no offense at all, you are the heart valve in room 94. There will be a new one on Thursday. Try not to be disappointed. Enjoy looking out the window while stuck in traffic on your way home. Someone else will be driving since you must abstain for 24 hours. And no swimming for 72. Your radial angiogram wound has to heal. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Thursday, September 14th. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and all-phase heating and air conditioning, family-owned and operated for over 20 years, reminding listeners of the importance of servicing heating and filtration systems before winter on South Auburn Street in Grass Valley, allphasecomfort.com. And Green Acres Nursery and Supply, offering garden tips when planning fall gardens, check irrigation, amend soil with organics, and start seeds. Garden gurus are on hand at each location. IDigGreenAcres.com Support for KVMR's Future of Radio Project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening Newscast is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza, Thanks for tuning in to your community radio station. I'm Julia Jem, and I hope you have a great night.